Podcasting from Astrolab Studios, this is Continuum Drag, a weekly podcast where we revisit sci-fi, fantasy, and just plain weird shows that have faded from the collective consciousness and didn't quite make the impact that they intended. This week, Almost Human, episodes 11 and 12. I hear you're bringing in Kasten's mom? Yeah. She took the Bennett's to court last year and lost. A lot of people were upset about the acquittal. She was especially so, made threatening remarks. Stell's going to question her. Does she have the skill to hack into a system like this? Doubt it. Due diligence, she could have paid somebody. Yeah. Look, the reality is it could have been any nut job was fixated on the case and wanted retribution. I know. That's why it's so hard to know where to start. Let's start with the eyewitness. Let's ask the house. Welcome to Continuum Drag, the podcast coming to you from the other side of the wall. I'm Luke, here with my co-host Jordan. What's real, Jordan? I don't know how many podcasts we've done at this point, but literally today I was sitting and I thought, oh no, Luke's going to ask me what's real. I got to have something to say. And then I got distracted. So I have, I don't know what's real again, <laughs> once again, <laughs> but it's only for the 40 something time. I don't know what's real. One of these days you'll know what's real, Jordan. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I did think about it, but I'm like a, a, you know, an easily distracted creature. So something happened and I went, oh, what's that noise? And then I forgot about it. Well, I've got something that's real for you. Oh, what is real? One of our uh, listeners on Twitter, at um, SubtleKnife00, uh, she tweeted at us because she listened to our, our your reading of that fan fiction from Almost Human. Mm-hmm. And I guess before we picked that one, you were reading off titles for potential stories you're going to read. And one of them was for a story. I don't remember the exact title, but it referred to Jorian. I do know what the title was. The title was Jots of Jorian. Ficklets and interludes. Remember? <laughs> oh, yeah. Ficklets? Oh, yeah. Ficklets and interludes. Yeah. Uh, Subtle Knife Zero Zero, she, uh, she helpfully pointed out, or as she put it, she screamed at her phone when she heard us talking about it that we couldn't figure out what, what that meant. Because I, I think I asked, who's Jorian? She said, Jorian is John plus Dorian. That's embarrassing for us that we, couldn't, we didn't figure that out. Because it's clear. You know what it is? It's one of those uh, uh, like uh, celebrity couple names. Well, as soon as she said it, I'm like, of course that's what it meant. And you know what? I kind of regret now that we didn't listen to it. <laughs> or I would have listened. You would have read. But <laughs> Two jots of Jorian, Ficklets, and Angelus. There's always, you know, another time we could really read that whatever it was, 500 word story about, I don't know, the two of them doing it. What? No, there's going to be jots and... you know what's funny while you're talking i pulled up the story and let me just tell you this let me just read you the very last line of the story oh please okay here's the very last line yes said dorian hot and creamy at the same time (laughs) (laughs) i guess i guess that's for you subtle knife zero zero that's all you need right there oh my god that's disgusting quite the last line anyways let's well that's a teaser for another time (laughs) yeah another time to not download that episode well, thank you, anyways, for uh, for pointing that out. We should have uh, we should have figured that out, but uh, I'm glad someone pointed it out. Now uh, we should just refer to them in this podcast as Jorian. It's much easier. Jorian? Oh, that's yeah. true. They're always together. Yeah, Jorian. Done. Let's do that. There's only this episode and one more after that, so we've got two episodes to call him Jorian. <laughs> All right, let's do it. Can you believe this is our penultimate episode? Well, I'll get into it, but one of these episodes I really disliked, so I was I was I'm happy that we're coming to the end. Okay. Well, Jordan, um, before we get started, do you have something for us? I do. I have a new segment that I came up with. So we'll see how it goes. And if it doesn't work, we'll just never do it again. I haven't figured out what to call it yet, but I'll describe it and then we'll figure it. Well, here, here's what I wrote. What I call it, what called it was, who wore it best? But <laughs> what, <laughs> that's not what it's going to be called, but that's just for me. So basically what it is, is I have a bunch of flash questions and this is comparing almost human and tech war to see which of them is the actual supreme science fiction TV show, because they're so close. And so what I'm, what I'm going to do is read you two options, and you have to quickly choose one of those two options. I'll add up the scores, and we'll see which is the better show, Almost Human or Tech War. You know, this couldn't be more scientific. Great, great. Does that make sense? It's like a psychological test or something. And that's exactly, yeah, yeah. I called it Who Wore It Best, but it could be, uh, what do you call that thing where it's the uh, Rorschach test? So uh, do you want to, want to try it? Let's do it. Round one. John Kennex or Jake Cardigan? Jake Cardigan. Filming location, Vancouver or Toronto? Toronto. 
Digital Post-it Notes or Super Music Machine? Super Music Machine. Albanian Sex Bot Club or Fantasy Town? Fantasy Town. Flash Mask, Morph Mask? Morph Mask. Dorian, Lieutenant Winger? Dorian. The Cube, The Freezer? The Cube. We never saw The Cube, did we? Not yet. Uh, Memory Recollection Machine, Therapy Machine? Memory Recollection Machine. Yeah, it's a, it's a tongue twister. Uh, New Tokyo, Yeltsingrad? New Tokyo. Valerie Stahl, Sam Houston? Sam Houston. Bitcoin, Credits? Credits. Hacker, Cyberpunk? Hacker. Coffee, Soycaf? Soycaf. Uh, Sandra Maldonado, Walter H. Bascom? Bascom. Synthetic Soul, CRU? CRU. Yeah, remember he had to, he couldn't find it because he only had like eight hours of power in that one episode? I do remember. Who could forget? <laughs> Who could forget? Cop melting in a box versus Tech Lord melting in a box. Oh, Tech Lord melting in a box. DNA bomb, feedback bomb. DNA bomb. The wall, weather control. The wall. Rudy Lom, Nika. Rudy Lom. Benzopropene, Tech. Tech. All right. So that was it. Now we're going to see which is the show that is actually a better show. Again, based on a scientific method of you picking one so we got one two three four five and we have it tech war is the better show with a score of 12 to 8 12 to 8 i mean good showing almost human do you think that's accurate do you think tech war is actually a better show than almost human well i'll i'll be interested to see what these last few episodes as they sort of round out the series or the i guess round out the series there's only the one season to see maybe how what my feelings are because I, I do think there's maybe a chance the tech war is something I prefer, but I'm not sure if that's actually true or not. I think I need to think about that. <laughs> I think Almost Human is quite definitely a better television show. However, I can't believe I'm going to say this. Some of the t- some of the like uh, the world building and technology is is better in tech war. It definitely isn't a clear winner. I'll say that. But I can't believe you chose you chose Jake Cardigan. I think I just have nostalgia for him. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I I did too when I was going through this. I was like, oh, remember the remember the uh, I was like, remember Fantasy Town? <laughs> that place was hilarious. Uh, the good times. Yeah, I knew you were gonna pick Super Music Machine too. How could I not? It's got a great name. Yeah, it is. The the SMM. <laughs> okay, shall I uh, shall I get us into this week's episodes? And and I should say, aired as episodes eleven and twelve. Here is the IMDb summary for episode eleven: Disrupt. A deadly crime from the future occurs when a smart house goes terribly bad and turns on its occupants. Detective Kennex and Dorian lead the investigation that forces them to interface with a house that is represented by a mysterious hologram character. That was uh, courtesy of Anonymous. I know it doesn't really turn out the same way, but this sounds like the basic plot to that uh, Almost Human episode, doesn't it? The one where the uh, they weren't sure if the tech lord was a hologram or not? Oh, <laughs> It's not really the same, but the sort of synopsis, the way it was written, makes you think it's going to be the same kind of episode. You uh, you said this sounds like that almost human episode. Oh, I was like, What sorry. are you talking about? It sounds like that tech war episode. You know what? I, I've, I've got them all mixed up because they're the exact same show. It is funny because that synopsis is not really very accurate to the episode. I mean, it is, but it really sets it up in a very different way than is actual the actual episode. It makes it sound like a very different episode. Right. That's That, that was my point that I very you know, put across in a very muddled fashion. <laughs> All right. Now here's a question for you. Do you want to start with a Dorian subplot or end with the Dorian subplot? Uh, which was his subplot in this one? There's a whole bunch of just like minor stuff that like is this overarching season thing that they, Oh yeah. Let's, let's start with that and get it out of the way. <laughs> That's how much I liked it. I can see you're excited. Yeah. Let me just say one of these episodes I thought was all right. That this was not the episode. I can already tell. Yeah, and I don't, and I don't know why, and it's gonna be hard for me to explain why I disliked it so much. But I don't like this episode, so that's that's my uh, disclaimer as we start before I really get all grumpy all over it. <laughs> well, I'll be really brief then about this sort of subplot with Dorian. It seems to be setting up something that'll be like maybe dealt with in the final episodes or probably in a new season kind of thing that. Obviously, it never happens, but Dorian's moved in with Rudy. We kind of see that Rudy's being a bit of a weirdo while he sleeps, sort of interfacing with his brain and like yeah. watching these uh, strange videos that seem to be inside of Dorian. Um, essentially, what's happened seems like someone has implanted Dorian with childhood memories from like a human being. And it seems to have happened even before Dorian was like decommissioned, before these uh, DRN units were taken off the force. This does seem like a classic uh, Android plotline, doesn't it? Well, it's funny because throughout the episode, he'll keep having 
like flashes to this um, childhood memory that isn't his. And it is really kind of a bookend to Kenix's old flashes. Like that's how the series started is with Kenix having these memory flashes too. It was like the people, you know, behind behind the scenes in the show were like, hey, these flashbacks are Kenix. It's not really going anywhere. Let's just stop that. And then they're like, you know, it'd be a great idea flashbacks for dorian it's like oh i thought we got rid of this plot line but anyway yeah it's like oh there's a mystery of his memories yeah. well basically rudy basically figures out there's some sort of insertion point and someone has inserted these memories into dorian and it's unclear why and he deletes them and closes the insertion point he tells Kenix, but they both kind of agree to sort of lie to rue or sorry lie to dorian about what these memories are Rudy kind of makes something up about how he's just like taking a bunch of external inputs and it's sort of like a dream or something is kind of coalescing into an idea in his brain. So it's not they're not real memories. But um, I think I think you could say that uh, he's suspicious of that Dory. And there's also a little like minor reveal in these in these interactions where Rudy sort of talks about how when Dorian was decommissioned, he used to activate him. They used to hang out at, in his like little laboratory and they were kind of friends before. But then for whatever reason, when he uh, got decommissioned, he erased all the memories. Yeah, when he got recommissioned, I think he was worried that he'd get in trouble. So they deleted the memories. But I guess Doreen asks him to put those memories back. So I'm curious to see if we, in the next episodes, or I guess in the final episode, maybe see see a friendship that we haven't seen before between the two of them. I'm not sure how it's going to pan out. They kind of played it at first like, you know, set up that like, uh oh, Rudy's actually a bad guy and he's doing all these bad things, but I don't think that's probably what it's gonna be. No, I think they wanted that a little bit, but they, they got rid of it. Or they they tamped it down by the end. It did seem like he was just trying to help an old friend who we haven't at this point realized how, what good friends they are or something. Right. Because of these deleted memories. <laughs> of like and the memory we should say, it keeps showing the same thing. It's like it's a kid taking like a train and am I wrong? Is it is he taking the train and and rolling it over like a pregnant woman's stomach? I thought it was I thought it was a kid in a hospital bed with an IV in his arm who was like Uh-oh. running it along his like stomach or something. You know what I like that both of us we have differing views of what the image was and they showed it like I don't know 45 times. <laughs> it I I'm going to guess that you're more accurate than me because again, I already had been irritated at this point so I was just like ah another flashback. Rah! You know, slag off and I threw a bottle at the screen, you know. I have had mutual friends ask me uh, whether you're even watching these episodes due to your level of detail. <laughs> Wait, is it is is it getting worse? You know what it is? It's it's it's. I blame it on when I'm writing stuff down. Uh, stuff will happen, and I go, "Hey, I'll I'll figure it out later." <laughs> That's that was my explanation to the person as well. I'm going to find out who this person is off the air. I'll never reveal it. Yeah, you will. You'll tell me. All right. Well, uh, let's get into it then. The the crime of the week this week, as uh, implied in that uh, summary, is there's a killer smart house. About a year before the episode happens, the smart house uh, killed this kid named Aaron who has jumped over the fence and was crossing the backyard. And now a year later, kind of on the anniversary of his death, uh, the homeowners who live there uh, have been getting death threats. And uh, their their holographic butler, Sam, uh, gets hacked. And let me make a note. People love doing murders on the anniversary of other murders. Don't you find that? Oh, that's when I do all my murders. Yeah, it's, it's, it just makes things much more poignant. If you don't do it on the anniversary, no one knows it's special. It's also a great way to make sure you get caught. <laughs> you know? But people, they just keep doing it. They can't stop. The high you get from the uh, the synergy of the dates, you know? It's almost as good as the murder. Almost as good as the murder. <laughs> exactly. Sorry, I digress. You were saying. So, uh, how, how does the how does the house kill the new homeowners once it's been hacked? Well, uh, well, first you get you you see that there's uh, uh what was the name of the uh the guy the, the Sam. Sam Sam is the robot and he's like a digital projection of a butler and I knew he was trouble right away. There's just he just got he's got one of those little faces. You're like, oh, he's gonna be trouble. The husband. Here's what I wrote. Husband loves stocks wife loves swimming so while the while the guy's watching like the stock exchange and the news on the uh on his uh, tv the wife goes swimming in this very fancy pool and then suddenly the pool has like a glass cover i guess to cover it when you're not using it and uh while she's swimming the glass cover goes over top and then she's now stuck under the water i don't know why there's not a like a little air spot between the water and the uh the glass but it doesn't matter she dies and uh, the guy gets locked out so he has to watch uh, his wife die. Does he get? Does he get shot too? Is that what happens? Yeah. Well, 
This is what people are talking about. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. Well, it's my memory. I can't remember. I remember that she died under the water. He, uh, while she's drowning, he smashes through a window to get at her because all the doors lock. Oh, that's right. And when he goes out there to smash the lid of the pool, uh, the backyard comes equipped. I guess this is how that Aaron kid died. Is it becomes equipped with some pretty like heavy duty turrets? Yeah, and he gets and he gets shot, and he's like laying on the glass, and you know, yeah, he bleeds out. Um, I mean, is crime in this world that like? to have automated turrets guarding your home, crime must be pretty bad in this well, world. Well, remember they told us at the beginning it went up 400%? Yeah, that's true. And later in this thing, they'll talk about how people need these SAM uh, home security devices because, I guess, in the last year, um, ransom kidnappings have gone up 10%. So I guess this is a very unsafe world. Mm-hmm. Although, every time we see the streets, like when they go out, it looks like a very just clean, modern city. Yeah, I, it's... a. It's a bit of a disconnect, but it, maybe it is, I think, because we are just only seeing the the nice parts of town, not over the wall. Yeah. I don't know if this is a good place to put this, but there is another minor little subplot that runs through this episode, and it is a constant joking about Paul, who's not in the episode. Yes, Detective Paul. I hated it so much. It is not a great running gag, although I will say in the end, I didn't hate it as much as I thought I was going to. So- Basically, what we have is, for whatever reason, because it's almost human, they have to have a kind of gross joke. But in, in in this episode, the gross joke just keeps going and going. And what it basically is, is the actor who, for whatever reason, the character Paul's not in this episode. And they have to keep calling attention to it as if he's been a major character and, and we would, as a viewer, would care that he's not there. But everyone keeps being like, where's Paul? And they keep asking uh, John, and John keeps giving excuses, like kind of gross things. Like once he makes a joke about how he had a problem with a like a penis piercing, and then later he says that he has I don't know what he, he says he has like gonorrhea or something like that, and he just keeps like extending the reason why Paul is gone, and so it, it becomes like this hilarious subplot where people think he's got some sort of like medical issue that has to do with his genitals and that's that's the weird like c plot yeah i mean that keeps coming up and anytime anyone asks where detective paul is john makes up a new reason he's gone like hemorrhoids or he's getting a surgery on his butt or whatever oh here's one thing i will say which whether it was intentional or i'm just reading into it this keeps happening essentially cat is just constantly starting these rumors about him at the very end of the episode one of the police drops by Captain Melanotto's office to, like, ask about after Detective Paul. And she says, oh, he's on vacation with his mom. He took her his mom to Mexico. So the big reveal being Kenix is just a jerk who was just making stuff up. But that cop that shows up at the end, he's gotten together with his friends and they've started a collection because they're very worried about Detective Paul's health. And they wanted to help him when he gets out of surgery. So they've sort of all pulled some money together to kind of, like, give him something. I think Kenix is the only jerk. I think people like Paul. Like, it was really sweet. They were really worried about him. Even though it was, like, kind of an embarrassing surgery, they were, like, it seemed like everyone around him was legitimately concerned about his health, except for Kenix. I think you're right, but I also think you're giving too much credit to the show. I don't think they're nearly that subtle enough that that they were creating this this little funny running gag to, to make the viewer realize Oh, by the way, the guy that you be, you're supposed to root for—he's also—he's actually the real jerk here. I—I th- I think you're giving it too much. I guess so. I think they just thought it was funny, and it's like, isn't he like just a—isn't he a funny guy? He just makes jokes about people and and their genitals. <laughs> the reason it bothered me was because it's not funny. If it was funny, it'd be like all right, but it just—it wasn't funny, and it fell flat every time. And they did it by my count eight thousand times in this episode. I don't know. I—I I kind of wondered if. Because everyone's reaction to it was like kind of the opposite. If if someone was told like you gotta write these jokes in, but then that person just wrote them in as just like I'm just gonna have everyone else react like a normal human being. Yeah, maybe. Anyways, it's it's this has gone longer than it needs to, but it annoyed me. Is my uh, my point after 30 minute discussion of it? <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, it did run the entire course of the episode. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, well, those two plot lines are out, so now we can actually focus on like the actual plot of the episode. We'll get back to this murder house, I guess. Obviously, the owners are dead. It's on this big anniversary, so they call the cops out. And Kenix and Dorian interview this uh, robot butler, not robot, holographic butler, Sam. 
he sort of lets them know that he was pu- he was hacked and put on manual, and that's why he killed them. And they head off to the uh, company that created this robot or this home security system. Did you catch the name of the company? Uh, I did. I wrote it down somewhere. Uh, Centurion Security, right? Centurion, just like uh, Galactica. Yeah, how do you like that? Look, look, look at my detailed notes. How is it spelt, though? Oh, do they not spell it the normal way with a C? No, it was spelt uh, like synthetic. Sin. Oh, I, you know, I didn't notice that. So there you go. Aha, I got you again. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm a real rube. <laughs> anyway, they go to interview the CEO and the corporate lawyer there, and um, they sort of reveal that their company has been sort of menaced and hacked with like denial of service uh, attacks by a, a group of hacktivists named Disrupt, which is a bit of an anomalous stand, or uh, sorry, a bit of an anonymous stand-in. You know, anonymous, right? Yep. The uh, the hacktivist group. Yeah, they wear the what's his face mask. Guy Fox. Guy Fox. That's it. Yeah. In fact, they even have their own like kind of similar video messages they'll give throughout the show where they're like, we are disrupt and we are the people or, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Very, very much of the time. Like they're trying to like really rip this from the headlines and move it into almost human. Although they have their their look is actually very similar to those. Um, remember the masks in one of the earlier episodes where the person is in, entirely uh, like blanked out they're all white that's what they look like on their messages like you just have a white silhouette of the person yeah they sort of just blank out the person as opposed to putting a mask on them sort of after this interview they're kind of like well could disrupt have done it and at that exact kind of moment where dorian and john are driving discussing like how they're going to look into this group the entire city blacks out and all the like electronic billboards light up with a big uh picture of aaron that says justin for justice for aaron and uh they kind of have to like figure out who who among this group disrupt this anonymous group of hackers uh, could have pulled this off. Mm-hmm. Is, I was, was going to say, is this when we find out that Rudy used to be a hacker? That's their sort of into this hacker world. Yeah, absolutely. They uh, they kind of figure out the hacker's name who did it. His name's Crispin X. Yeah, go- I know. That, that, I don't know why that was funny to me. It was the X. It was adding the X to the end. <laughs> like remember remember thinking- remember in the nineties when Bush. For whatever reason, there was a Canadian Bush band. So when they played in Canada, they had to be known as Bush X. That's what it reminded me of. <laughs> Classic way of differentiating yourself. Yeah, exactly. I believe, didn't you briefly go by um, Chemo Kitten X? I did, yeah. There was another kid in another school, and it was it was a, just a whole thing. Is that going to stay in that other episode? Are people going to understand that reference? <laughs> he sent you an infringement notice? Yeah, he's like, excuse me. Uh, I, I clearly have the date where they named me Chemo Kitten. It was November 9th. <laughs> um, yeah, but to your point, they go visit Rudy because I yeah he used to be a hacker. Yeah, what was Ru- what was Rudy's handle? Aphid. That's right. Well, and it, because he says it's little but destructive. Oh, pretty good. Yeah, I'm assuming I'm assuming he said that as a setup for someone to make fun of his penis because that's all they do to Rudy. And in this episode, it's it's nonstop again about you know he loves he loves sex bots and he's a pervert and blah blah blah. We'll get into that more every episode yeah well it is every episode um but yeah he basically they go see him he knows of crispin x and he kind of knows after he this guy like makes a hack he he likes to have a huge party to celebrate and it's like rudy describes it as like a real bacchanal kind of thing that is that was that weird that every time they they have a, a big hack they have a party <laughs> i thought that was weird it did seem susp- like not a great way to not get caught yeah, right? Just really draw attention to yourself. Yeah, anyway, but that's what they do. That's what they do in the future. Uh, one thing I thought was funny is Rudy knows who Crispin X is because he remembers him from his days as a hacker. And Crispin X will remember Rudy by his call sign aphid. There is easily a 15-year age difference between them. Right. There's no way they're contemporaries. Well, yeah, I guess that's true. Well, you, you know what? It's the future. Maybe kids are they're hacking at five years old, you know? <laughs> I you're right I take it back there you go but the the more important thing Luke is that you know they're gonna go undercover which means time for wigs and I was I was a little disappointed because one I thought this was gonna be an episode where there was gonna be a like a huge amount of undercover like lame undercover stuff and they'd both be wearing wings but only uh What's her face? Uh, Detective Stall wears a wig. Yeah, they're going to go to this party. To do that, Rudy's just like, they're going to know your cops. You're going to have to go undercover. Hey, why not just send Rudy? He loves going undercover. Well, because I guess I guess he's he's probably never going to go undercover again because of the last time. But B, 
he's like, you better put on a good disguise. And we cut and we see what they're wearing. And Detective Style's wearing a blue wig. And yeah, and John's just wearing a long coat. That's his That's his disguise. He's got, he's got some eye makeup on. Oh, did he? I couldn't even tell. He's got a little eye makeup on. I was, I was also very disappointed because that's a great episode of Tech War where they yeah. go undercover. And doesn't he get a mohawk? He got he got like a, and like a face a, tattoo. Yeah, he got a face tattoo. He had like <laughs> like Mike Tyson's face tattoo, and then he had like I think it was like a red mullet wig. I know this. What would be what would have been great is if these two characters had dressed up exactly as the two in Tech War did. I know they don't care about the connection, but I would have really uh, I would have really loved that. Well, it was very funny because they end up going to this party, and no one's really off put to see them there. But at some point, they talk to one of these hackers who's hanging around. And the hacker's just like, he's like, are you guys cops? And they're like, do we look like cops? He's like, yeah, with makeup on. And what, what I like, though, is <laughs> the, the show is it's it's we've you know, we won't go over the same ground we've talked about. But one of the funny things in the show is the detective work when you actually see it, it happening on screen. And the detective work in this is they walk into a club and they go, hey, are you Crispin X? And they go, nope. They go, huh? And they walk for someone else. Hey, are you Crispin X? They go, no. They go, huh? That's that's their strategy. They just they just going to walk up to every single person they see and go, are you, are you Crispin? Anyways, I thought I th- I was like, well, well done, guys. Jordan, I'm going to stop you right there. Am I Since wrong? When are we going to not go over territory we've gone over a million times before? That's- oh, that's true. That's true. <laughs> Sorry. Well, I figured, you know, you as know. long as you say you're not going to do it and then do it, it makes up for it. <laughs> <laughs> that's just true. That's true. I like when they went to this party, and this is it may be on screen for two seconds. There's an establishing shot of where this party is happening, which is in good old Little Blade Runner town again. Yeah, a lot of glow sticks. But did you catch? I'm starting to watch these establishing shots because I'm, I'm trying to watch for the wall now. And in this, you could see the wall kind of running through. Oh, could you really? Yeah. And behind the wall is interesting to me because behind the wall is a bunch of like skyscrapers without power, like looking a little bit decrepit. Hmm. The wall seems to cut straight to the city. And I'm not just and I'm not sure if maybe the whole world's a city or if maybe the wall is just in one part of this city. Hmm. Again, I think it's probably not going to be answered by the last episode. I'm more and more curious about this wall as we go on. And you know, I I'm actually too. I I kind of poo pooed it when you first brought it up, and I and I regret that. It's the only thing I regret in my life is that I poo pooed your excitement for the wall. Your only regret. That's it. Um. But getting back to this party, we kind of get uh, the viewers get a bit of a bait and switch as we sort of see a party that looks kind of like the the rave in Matrix Reloaded. Oh, yeah, that was terrible, too. But what we come to realize very quickly is it's happening in VR, and they're all just, like, sitting around on couches, like, wearing wearing little VR goggles, and there's no real party. It's just, like... Which was fine. It was kind of a... I, I don't know. I don't know if it was supposed to be, like, a... It was funny, or if it was supposed to be a slam on a culture. I don't know. But here's the weird thing. If they're all just going to be in VR, why do they even bother going to the same warehouse? Why don't they all just stay at home? A good question. Just to hang out. I guess. But to hang out, they're all just putting on headsets and sitting in a room. They're not even looking at each other. Anyways, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Makes you so upset. I don't It's just everything of this episode. I just, it was just like, ah, it irritated me. I'm, I'm surprised to hear you irritated that much because we do finally get to meet Crispin X. And um, what's Crispin X's real name? Oh, I don't know if I did get his real name. I know he had a good head of hair. I can't believe you missed this because they will do it throughout the episode because he basically joins the team to do all the hacking for them for the rest of the episode. Yeah, what do they call him? I know I know the other person's name, but what do they call him? What's his real name? His name is Nico. Oh, you're right. And they oh keep my calling. gosh. They're like, Nico, hack the system for us. Nico, open that door. I didn't, I didn't even think about it. That's crazy. That is so close to Nika, the hacker from Tech War. Yeah. That I legitimately questioned whether this was a coincidence because they're treating him in the exact same fashion she used to work on the show for the entire episode. She's like, anytime they need anything, they're calling him and he's hacking something and they're like, Nico, can you get this open for us? Nico, where are you? And I'm like, could this be more than a coincidence? Could this be a reference? Should we check? Do you think another Shatner wrote this episode? Oh, I, I could only hope. <laughs> There's no way. I can't believe you didn't notice. I, I can't believe you didn't notice that immediately. Like I was sitting there, my mind was blown. I think what I'm learning is, uh, um, I might have a learning disability. <laughs> I mean, he even kind of looks like Nika. Yeah, I don't know if I agree with that, but uh, anyways, he does. He does. Uh, what, what I noticed was uh, to show that he's cool because he's a hacker. He uh, he sort of sits with his knees up and he puts his uh, keyboard on his knees, even though he could easily just put it on a desk. It was time for a desk. 
he's the kind of guy like walks into a room and spins the chair around and sits on it backwards you know a cool teacher yeah he's like let me tell you kids about something you know he was one of those guys anyway uh they basically find out from nico that he he didn't hack the smart house but he did hack the power grid he's he's a bit of a mercenary he was hired by disrupt to do that and sort of like send out a message but he he doubts disrupt would have even done the murders because he really does think they're a, they're a good organization trying to trying to do good work so he kind of offers to help them out in some ways because as they're interviewing him, the uh, lawyer from Centurion is is murdered by his smart house too. Uh, the fire suppression system went off and sucked all the oxygen out of his house. Yeah, that's a bad way to go. R- rough way to go. A pr- pretty good idea for a system though to stop a fire. Yeah, I mean, this smart house doesn't seem that bad. Yeah, if you're not stuck in it, I mean, you're gonna die in the fire anyway, so. <laughs> yeah, and what I'm saying is, I'm 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 on this I'm on the security system side. You you'd live in that house. Yeah, why not? Hollow Butler. I'm telling you, I didn't like him from the moment I saw him. <laughs> He's not even the bad guy. I know. You know what? He it's because he reminded me of someone. That's why. Who do you remind you of? I'm not gonna say it's someone with a similar name, but he just reminded me of this guy I worked with. And as soon as he came up, he was like, I was like, oh, I don't like him. <laughs> bad memories. Yeah, bad memories. Yeah. But the important part here is that it's clearly not a one-off, this murder, and it seems like different people working for the Centurion security system are now getting picked off because it's two. And they both have received the same death threat with a photo of Aaron that seems to be a candid shot that no one else has access to. What, what did you think of that that little uh, that little tidbit? It's this weird uh, photo that no one has access to. Uh, I mean, I think it works. I, the idea of being like a private, it's not something that was publicly available, so... It narrows the suspect field down from disrupt, which seemed to be just like a general hacktivist who wouldn't have known him personally. Right. I'm just saying uh, the reveal that we're going to find out very shortly. Don't you think, let's say, let's say, Luke, I was trying to avenge your death and I start murdering people. And so I go, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to send them a photo. And the only photo I have is a photo of me and you that I cropped me out. Don't you think that's just asking for trouble? (laughs) I mean, maybe this Emily wants trouble. Yeah, maybe. So can we talk about Emily now? Yeah, basically Nico hacks into Aaron's old computer and, and basically figures out there's a there's a woman named Emily who's trying to avenge Aaron's death. And uh, what do you, what do we know about Emily? Uh, she's a hacker. Good. Uh, and she's in the other half of that photo. Great. <laughs> and I don't know. What else do we know about her? She's, she's an old classmate of Aaron's. She was expelled from school for assaulting a student. Um Aaron was kind of befriended her after that, and uh, after he died, he'd, he'd been jumping fences to get to her house to see her, but after he died, her family moved her to Arizona, and uh, since then, she's kind of become a missing person, so no one quite knows what's happened to her. She's been hacking. Hacking to death. She's, she's been hacking to death. Yeah. <laughs> she's a bit of a super genius, so Nico kind of comes on board. They, they sort of threaten him by sending him to the cubes. Yeah. And offer him immunity if he'll lend a hand. But he seemed pretty game to lend a hand. It was testing his skills against a real good hacker. Yeah, they didn't have to push too much. They're like, uh, you might have to help us. He's like, okay. He's a, he's a real Nika. <laughs> he is. That Nico's a real Nika. Um, he essentially follows this Emily's trail through uh, through the networks and kind of tracks down the idea that, which is funny that they didn't put this together themselves, that he's, she's probably going after the Centurion CEO for the death of Aaron. Yeah. The, the next most obvious suspect. Mm-hmm. Well, the, well, their detective work would have literally been walking into the walking into like I don't know, a school and be like, "Are you the murderer? No. What about you? Are you the murderer? No. What about you?" <laughs> Listen, good old fashioned police work, just asking people if they killed anyone. Well, I, I it's it's got to have worked at some point because they keep doing it. In the future, it's real hard to lie for some reason. Yeah, this hasn't come up yet in an episode. That's that's episode fourteen. The problem for the CEO though is uh, the the company Centurion has recently created new Sams and they're Android Sams, so they have like actual physical bots. And so what Emily's done is she's hacked into these bots and basically sent a Terminator army after this woman. Yeah, although. How many actually were there? I think they mentioned there was several, but at, for, at first I thought it was just one that was kind of going around, but it was at least four or five, right? Yeah, it seemed to be a minimum of three, I think. The the CEO of the company, uh, we find out she does start getting like attacked right now. Like her, st- She's trying to take the elevator, but it doesn't work anymore. And what you have is two hackers fighting on the system. You have Emily, who's trying to kill her with the robot, and you have uh, Nico, who's trying to stop the attack. Kenix and Dorian rush in, and Dorian essentially tracks Emily down. She's she's in the building. She's in their server room hacking directly, and uh, she's turned on the fire suppression system to suck the oxygen out, and he basically 
he has to go in there. He, I think he fights a robot, and then he, he has to talk her out of killing herself, basically. Every episode, he has to fight a robot. Doesn't it seem like that? He does fist fight a robot almost, like, the last three episodes, for sure. Like, you know, he's just like, oh, another robot I gotta fight? Kenix, meanwhile, he gets to uh, go around shooting the rogue Sambots, and it, it's kind of fun, because Nico hacks their hollow projection system and, like, shoots a whole bunch of Kenixes everywhere, so the uh, Sam robots don't know what they're shooting at. Yeah, I thought that looked pretty cool, actually. What you, what you get is that he, like, you know, he's pointing the gun, and suddenly there's, like, ten of him pointing the gun. So it's that classic sort of, like, you know, you're in a fun house and you're shooting all the mirrors because you don't know who the real person he, is. He basically takes down all these Sambots. Dorian talks down Emily, and they both kind of save the day and um, arrest Emily. The CEO is saved. There's, there's this little scene at the end, and I thought you would enjoy this, but... They, they go to talk to Aaron's mom, and Aaron's mom's quite sad because her son didn't have a lot of friends or any friends, she thinks. And they're like, no, your son your son was greatly loved just, just with his internet friends. And then they sort of show one of those collages, like it's, a, it's Aaron's photo, but it's made up of a collage of a million other photos. And they start pulling up the littler photos, and it just looked like people from the production office holding up a sign, like... All the people were too old to have been his friends. And they just, they looked like, I'm the accountant on this show and I have to hold a sign for the art department. It just, it's, it's, it's a funny thing. They, they went for this emotional beat, clearly, but I don't think, I mean, I didn't care. I don't know about yourself or other viewers. I don't think anyone was that worried that this guy who died, who we never met, didn't have any friends. I don't care. I didn't care at all. And they were like, oh, no, let's make sure to add this emotional beat that his mom knew she he had friends. I don't care if he had friends. Did you it's care? It's like these other ones they're doing. They don't they don't land it at all. They they there's no seating. There's no reason to care about it. And yeah, it, do, it doesn't work. It just made me laugh. My note was, wait, the photo is a composite of other photos. Ha 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 ha. How stupid. <laughs> that was my note. I mean, it was only like 20 seconds long. The scene like it, it could have easily been exercised. Right. Well, no, but they just they like that. They like like those scenes. So I don't know. It just it just you're right. It just they, they didn't see it. So it just didn't land. One thing they could have done. And I'm not sure if they're doing it more in these two episodes or if they've always been doing it. I just haven't been clocking it. But there are quite a few. I felt establishing shots of the world they were doing in these episodes that were kind of there was cool. Yeah. like in this episode, there's a cutaway to a kid standing over a koi pond and the koi pond is full of like glowing, flashing neon koi. There's, is this the episode two where they have a big drone shot where there's an actual drone flying through and then comes in closer? Yeah, I think that that's in this one or maybe it's the next one. Uh, one of them, one of them is just like a, a wide shot of the city that just looks like the city. But in the top right hand corner is just this like blue orb just hanging there for no reason. Right. And I'm just like, what? what's up with that orb? I'm not sure if maybe they peppered a few more in these episodes or I don't remember there being this many of these establishing shots before. No, there's been there's been a few, but they've actually surprisingly they don't do a lot of that. I'm assuming it's a it's a budgetary thing. They're mostly just in their office and stuff. But uh, yeah, there there I, I noticed it too. There were a lot of uh, for whatever reason there were a lot of establishing shots of cities and surroundings. Only like little tech stuff happening in them. Mm-hmm. Anyway, let's let's move on to the next episode. Beholder. Yes, here's the here's the IMDb summary for episode twelve. Beholder. Dorian, here's the guy we're looking for. This face is a composite of the specific features of the victims. There are 10 parts to this facial construction. These are the facial features he wants. There have only been nine victims so far. Is there still one out there? Can you extrapolate who the next victim's gonna be? According to facial rec, this looks like the next victim. Looks like he selected the cheekbone structure. When a chrome appears to have died young, Valerie recognizes it as a murder and begins an investigation. Kenix and Dorian realize that the murderer is a serial killer who is using outlawed nanobot plastic surgery to become beautiful. That was courtesy of Rebel Lynn 2. I like this episode a lot better, even though I don't know if it's actually a better episode, but it does have one remarkably stupid thing that I loved so much, even though it's so stupid, and, and I'll, I'll mention it when we get to it. It's, it's a real turn in the episode. All right. I, I, can't, I can't wait to find out. I know. See, look, look, isn't that great how, how I'm seeding it? And that's how you do it, uh, almost human writers. Yeah. This is exactly like how the mom came in and said her son had no friends. And then 40 minutes yeah, later, yeah, she I, got to see that, pictures. That That's as much effort as they did. Hey, he didn't have any friends. And later on, guess what? He did have friends. Like, nice and tidy, that one. 
The crime of the week this week is is we start off with a chrome, one of these genetic elites who've been, uh, you know, modified to be perfect. He gets home from work, he takes off his pants, and he plays a little augmented reality golf. I did like that he, he wore no pants the whole scene. This is, listener, Jordan's favorite thing is not wearing pants. Well, I don't want to say it was my favorite thing, but getting home and taking your pants off is pretty good. That's what I mean. As soon as I saw this guy without his pants <laughs> on at home after work, I'm like, Jordan's going to be on board with this right away i was yeah and, and i actually thought the the golf thing looked really cool i actually had lots of questions and maybe you'll be able to answer this luke you know being an expert on on vr technology when he's golfing he pulls up a screen that's all around him is he the only one seeing the screen or do you think if you were looking through the window you would see like you would be like is there a golf course up there oh good question i wonder Maybe it's on the windows projecting it. So maybe if you looked, you would see kind of the back of it, like a little hollow projection. Yeah. Cause my, my, and then my second point to that being, he might want to put some pants on because he's right around the windows. Oh, he doesn't care. He doesn't care. But also a third point on because I want to keep talking about this scene as long as possible. Yeah. It, this would be actually a great technology for, for athletes. Yeah. I mean, I think it's probably on the way. I'm, I'm sure they have something very similar uh, that you know professional athletes practice with but i was like this is a good i thought that was a not only a well-executed technology a technology that w- makes sense that they'd have in the future the building i work in has a golf simulator i've just never used it is that right yeah well, how come we don't why don't we go do some uh, uh golf simulation are you're a big golf fan aren't you hey i'd go to a golf simulator any day you you uh you're real jack nicholas and i'm a real vj singh other... who vj singh that's right that's the first golfer that came to my mind. Oh, and Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods. I forgot about him. Oh, good old disgraced Tiger Woods. Yeah, is he still disgraced? I thought everyone forgave him. Hmm. Uh, hard to Not say. Not so much? Anyway. But this, this, this Chrome who's golfing in his underwear is quickly assaulted by this leper-looking Quasimodo man. Oh, see, I wrote Dark Man. I said, oh, no, Dark Man just electrocuted him. He didn't need to look just like Liam Neeson in Darkman? He did look like Liam Neeson in Darkman. His face is kind of covered in rags or like bandages or something. And he kind of zaps him with a taser and then like jams a needle into the back of his neck. And all I wrote down was uh, he's stealing his essence because he pulls out like a vial of like glowing white goo out of his brain. I thought this was going to be like a harsh realm situation. Remember when, uh, what's his face? Old uh, Santiago stole that guy's face? Oh, yeah. That's what I thought was going to happen. I thought he's going to like... Uh, fully just take someone's face and then take their identity. But that's not really what happens here. That's not too far off, though. It's, it's along the same path. Essentially, the death initially is ruled a heart attack, but this is where Detective Stahl comes in. Uh, as a Chrome, she's pretty suspicious because she knows they don't have heart defects. They're, they're programmed. They're genetically programmed to be perfect. And um, they're also... And did you catch this? There seems to be some sort of implication that there's some sort of, like, Chrome High Council. Because she sort of says, like, they reached out to me to look into this because they know I'm a chrome and they know this is not how people die. Like she seems to imply there's some sort of like Illuminati chromes that like want her yeah. to get to the bottom of this. Or at least uh, or at least some sort of lobby group or organization. Yeah, they, they do. They sort of just skirt over it. But yes, they imply that there is some sort of group of chromes that sort of stick together. Yeah. And so she she goes and she puts John and Kennex on the, or John Kennex and Dorian on the case. Did you hear, though, the guy who uh, got killed, uh, Mr. VR Golf, did you hear uh, that he had been in the Olympics? Oh, right. I forgot about that. And uh, did you, I, I wrote it down. It was the Detroit Olympics of 2036. Oh, now who's... See, that's some good detail. Attention to detail, yeah. Jordan. Yeah. So, hey, so I guess we, we just need to wait a few years to see if that prediction is true. I think I read a comment online somewhere where someone was just, like, making fun of the idea that Detroit would ever have the Olympics. Well, I mean... They, they have lots of vacant space now. Just build, just build arenas everywhere. Well, why not? At the crime scene, uh, Dorian kind of spots the needle mark in the back of this guy's neck. And he, d- he does his mobile forensic unit thing that we haven't seen since the first episode. Yeah, I, I wrote it down. It is, it's the first time we've seen it since like, remember we mentioned it like, oh, he's going to be doing that all the time. But this is the only time he's done it since, since we first saw it. He basically jams a needle into the same hole the needle went into and sucks some blood out and then jams it into his own neck and... He's basically like, oh, there's seven kinds of DNA in this guy. And they, they basically put together that seven other people have been murdered with the same weapon. And there seems to be some sort of serial killer on the loose. Was the point that they found, because they said, 
there was seven different people's DNA found. So the implication is that he's used the same tool and their DNA is still on it. Like he's not washing it is yeah, basically what it is. Exactly. Right. Okay. And the, the only link they can find between the victims uh, is helpfully categorized by Captain Maldonado when she says what, Jordan? Okay. So this is what <laughs> this is what I mentioned earlier. This was so stupid. It was hilarious. So what she says, so they, they've got their big screen, they're talking and they see all the, you know, the rotating heads of all the victims and they're like, oh, what it could be. And she says, I see one pattern. They're all very attractive. Right. And I would have, I would have laughed my ass off if I was in that room and I was one of those detectives because it's the dumb, who would ever notice that? Because one, it's not like they were all models. They all just look like normal people. So there wasn't anything in the, in the images of people that, that were distinctly super attractive and i just no no one would ever make that connection it's not like they went you know what they all have blonde hair and blue eyes or they're all a size 13 like they're that's not it's being attractive is not enough of a distinguishing feature that you can just notice that by looking at a wall (laughs) did you not think that was stupid I thought it was very funny especially in the world of almost human where every actor on the show is pretty pretty that's what I mean. It's like, they, I'm like, they weren't ugly, but they weren't, it wasn't like they were all supermodels. And you're like, okay, that does make sense. Or they actually were all models. It's just like, these people are all attractive. That must be the connection. It's like, what a lazy detective. It's how we get into the case of the beauty killer. But anyways, yeah, she's right. She she threw a real Hail Mary and she was right. I do, I do like that that's what they call the serial killer for the rest of the episode, the beauty killer. Yeah, well, you know, you, you can't win them all. I like dark. I like Darkman. I just referred to him as Darkman the whole time. I, I kept calling him BK. BK. Burger, beauty killer. Oh, I see. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Basically, what we find out is that the, the killer is this guy Eric Latham. Uh, he took part in an experimental plastic surgery. Um, basically, the idea was that you'd inject nanobots into a person and it would take, like, I guess, a scan or like some sort of donor person would give you an idea of what their like awesome nose looked like. And then the nanobots would come out and you'd inject that into the person who wanted to have that nose. And the uh, nanobots would go ahead and just like rearrange the nose for you. But what, what's the major problem with this surgery? Well, there's easy two major problems. One, it uh, gives the donors a heart attack. Yeah, so that's not good. Not good. And the people who are receiving the nanobots become horribly disfigured. I know, that was weird. I was like, why, why would they even keep doing it after the first time? And they showed pictures and the people look terrible. It's uh, it, it was quite a disaster, this whole experiment, I think. I guess that's why it's outlawed. Like, if I looked at all the pictures of all the people that had had the nanotechnology, I would have said, you know what? I see one pattern. They're all hideous. <laughs> um, and now our, 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 disfig- our disfigured beauty killer, Eric, he, he's got one of these nanobot needles, which they call the an actuator. That's right, yeah. And he, he's basically gone off, and he's trying to get his his perfect face so he's he's killing people and using this actuator to kind of like i guess take parts of their face but it not really that like he basically i guess the nanobots scanned their face kill the person by this heart attack and then he's able to go see this one of these disgraced doctors who ran this uh ran this trial originally and he's basically helping this guy get his face his, his perfect face i just uh uh as a little side note i just came up with a better name they should have had for him what's that the vain villain. Oh, the vain villain. Isn't that good? That's pretty good, actually. You know, it's funny because I just looked at my note. I wrote, this villain is vain. <laughs> <laughs> You're right on the cusp. I was right there. But essentially, that's what's been happening. People are getting killed. He's stealing their faces. We, we'll see him do it with one person. And I, it's it's kind of a, I'll, I'll just get into it very quickly here. It's a woman who runs uh, a lemonade stand. Yeah, wasn't it, but what aren't they called like nitro drinks? What are they called? I think they were called nitro lemonades. Yeah, and they're just like they're they're lemonades with dry ice. You gotta <laughs> was, pay extra for that. I was like, what a future. <laughs> I know. I love you know what though? I wish this show did more stuff like that. I love it. I was like, yeah, yeah, sure. Dry ice at lemonade, why not? This is one of the classic things that happens on uh, Almost Human. Like there's always these practically supervillain level crimes happening. Like when he goes after her. He wants her eyes, basically. So he, he kills her, and then he goes and sees this doctor, and basically they inject the nanobots into him, and all we see is his eyes change color. Yeah. It seems like such an extreme length. There's got, there must be a way. I mean, contacts, number one. Well, what I like is 
he he goes he kills the woman and he goes to what looks like we should say a very painful experiment he has to sit in this like game of thrones-esque sort of chair with all these spikes and stuff and get strapped down to, and being injected and all this stuff so that he can get this technology and he changes his eye color meanwhile he's got these huge hideous wounds on his face i was like maybe take care of those first before you worry about your eyeballs it it was very funny i'm like such a such a minor change for all this death i know but i guess that's the point of of the vain villain i know that's classic vain villain detective Stahl, she's sort of helping on this case because they, she was you know put in charge by the chromes i guess and she heads off to this elite chrome club to kind of try to get surveillance footage of the murder victim they figure he must have been stalked by this beauty killer. So if she can pull some footage from this club, she can figure it out. And, she, you know, she hates chromes. They don't seem to like her very much. And they don't want to really give up this surveillance footage. But she kind of ends up having a, a meet cute with the owner of this club. Yeah. And he's, I don't know if it's just the character, but he's like the stiffest person ever. And so you have two not terribly demonstrative actors doing this scene where they're supposed to be like, you know, acting cute and flirty and it, it's it's like watching two like robots just bump into each other <laughs> i mean it does seem to be something to do with the chromes and how they sort of select them they do seem to always be very beautiful but very like not with a lot of emotion in their faces yeah i think i think you're giving more credit to it than again than it than maybe the actors deserve i did like how he won her over though by by telling her about his chrome brother who uh is a chainsaw sculptor <laughs> that's right yeah <laughs> sort of to show that he he respects chromes who don't want to like do what they're supposed to also that that girl at the door was not very nice huh well she's a classic chrome classic chrome she does get the footage and what we kind of see in this footage is um the beauty killer was clearly stalking the chrome victim they they try to run facial recognition on him but it keeps bouncing back with like one of the seven other dead victims which is when they start piecing together maybe maybe his face is made up of other people's faces mm-hmm but we, is this where we get to uh, uh, street fighting by the burning garbage cans? Not quite yet, because Rudy has uh, been put in charge of finding out what happened to the seven other victims of the beauty killer. Oh, right. And this is actually pretty cool. Uh, and he's basically been sent what they call virtue topsies. Yeah. Is that what they called them? Yeah. They're essentially just like holograms of the bodies, I guess. But like they're, supposed, I guess, recreations of the autopsies. Actually, again, this was a pretty good technology. I like the idea of a cadaver or a victim um, being scanned so that they can continue to work on seemingly work on a body even if it's deteriorating which is good i actually thought because they said something about rudy looking into the bodies i thought they were going to send actual bodies to rudy i'm like i don't think his job is also doing autopsies yeah no i thought that was pretty good so basically he's got this like what looks like a uh replication of a person but it's all blue so it's like their shape so he can still see like their wounds and yeah you know i guess seemingly anything that was wrong with them he can still see and he sees they were all killed with the same like needle device and nanobots were in their system so they're all related but there's also a fun bit when uh, when Dorian Kennex arrive, uh, Rudy's very mad at them. Oh yeah, this this is your classic. Let's make sure uh, Rudy's uh, Rudy's kind of a silly man. He's irritated at them, and they're like, "What's wrong with it?" And what he's irritated is that uh, he's found out that only beautiful people are being murdered, and <laughs> and he's upset because he's assuming he's next on the list, or he's going to be killed because he's also a beautiful person. Wow, wow. Why didn't they warn him? He says he used to be a child model. Yeah. It was it was kind of cute. Was it? I didn't think so. <laughs> I just I just it it just felt like like honestly it feels like they're bullying at this point. That's what it feels like to me. Well, fair enough. I mean, since we since we like to go over Rudy so much, I'm just I I made a little side note here because obviously we know they love to have a lot of sex jokes about him and like but if over the course of these two episodes, there doesn't seem to be any consistency because usually it seems like he wants to get a lady or he has trouble with ladies or th those kind of things. Or maybe that he hires sex bots. Mm -hmm. But at one point, Dorian in one of these episodes starts talking about how there's a lot of half-dressed women always over. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, I, I assume they were – it was – the idea was they were prostitutes. I, but it's not clear. It seems like sometimes he's a ladies' man. Sometimes he's, like, never seen a lady before. Sometimes he maybe hires like professional sex workers. Like there's no consistency to like the joke they want to make. It's just whatever they want to make in the moment. The the idea is can we make fun of him? That's basically all it is. Poor Rudy. He doesn't deserve it. Poor Rudy. I know I feel bad for Rudy. Anyway, we'll we'll move on. Um 
I think uh, this is what you're talking about here uh, regarding Harsh Realm is um, Kenix uh, knows a guy who's a black market is sort of seller who could be a bit of an informant to tell him where this beauty killer might have got this uh, actuator he's using to stab people. So they, they go off to this like junkyard where there's burning barrels and like robot fights happening. Don't you love in dystopian futures where there's always a burning barrel? I mean, it looked like they went into Harsh Realm. It did, yeah. It looked exactly like it. And it's funny, uh, Dorian asks, like, who's your informant? And Kenick's like, I'll, I'll know him when I see him. And he starts talking to this woman who's watching the robot fights. And then the woman says she doesn't know where this 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 DiCarlo, this black market guy is. And then Kenick's like, cold clo- cold cocks this woman? Yeah, and she falls down. And for the we've never seen this technology before, but the, the, the woman falls down and suddenly her back opens up in a, like a very Men in Black-esque sort of way. That is and, exactly what I thought, too. I'm like, this is like a Men yeah. in Black movie. Yeah, so if you've seen a Men in Black movie, you know exactly what this looks like. And it's like, instead of an alien getting out, uh, out comes little Tony Cox. Yeah, little person actor Tony Cox of Bad Santa climbs out. And he's good. He's I, I, was, I like him as an actor, actually, so I was happy to see him for two seconds. You know what? He was a good character for the, the scene they needed him. And he had fun little goggles. And this, I have to say, might be the most insane sequence Almost Human has ever done. Like when this woman's back opens up and someone crawls out of it, I'm like, what's going on right now? It was a weird technology that I don't know if it jives with the technology we've seen in uh, this show before because everything seems very um, practical. And this, I don't know what the practical thing would be other than disguising yourself, but whatever. It was it was fun looking yeah he's got this cool he calls it an exosuit yeah anyway um the black market guy doesn't know where he got an actuator from but he does say he's like oh i I do know there's this black market doctor who can change your face if you get into trouble Uh, why don't you go see him they go to find that doctor and is is this where he injects himself and he becomes bane yeah he he shoots himself up with some synthetic adrenaline when he sees kenix and dorian are there yeah and so and so he can uh, he can have a you know your classic he gets into a fist fight with him but it's short-lived because he immediately dies of a heart attack from the adrenaline. Yeah, yeah, yeah it wasn't worth it. It, w- it was a poorly thought-out plan. Um, Canix and Dorian are able to pull up his files, and, and they find the beauty killer, Eric, uh, kind of what his face wants to be and kind of all the people he's killed. And they even find, like, his final victim, the, the last person he's going to get so he can get this guy's uh, beautiful cheeks. It's unfortunate for him that he's so organized that he's already planned it all out because then it's, you know, he's really leaving a trail for the cops. It's true. The cops put out a protective detail on his final victim. And of course, the BK killer is sort of watching him anyway and he notices the cops are there. So he kind of gives up. What I thought was interesting here is they have to figure out where he's going to go next. And they start talking about how could he have picked these victims? Like, what's the connection? And as they're looking at these 3D spinning photos, you were talking about this in a previous episode like why yeah. do these 3d spinning photos exist and and th- yeah what they explain is that they're sort of an update on your your regular photo at like the dmv so for people's id they're now doing 3d scans and it's an update that people are doing yeah the beauty killer works at the dmv so he's able to look at people's faces in the dmv database and that's why all of these 360 shots of heads exist i I never thought anyone would ever answer that question for you. I just was like, eh, it's just part of the world. But the fact that they yeah. went to such detail, it was as if they were like telling you from last episode to shut up. <laughs> That's right. Oh, this guy's whining about stuff. All right. This is why he works at the DMV. Are you happy now, Jordan? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, but let me let me ask you something. And I know this is going to sound, I hope this doesn't come off the wrong way. But were you kind of surprised that he was choosing uh, male and female victims to create his perfect face? Melanie brought the same thing up. And honestly, I don't know if it matters. Like, I, I feel like it, maybe he maybe he wanted a bit of an androgynous look. He liked he liked a few pieces. Well, I mean, the the the, the woman he kills, he takes her eyes. Okay, well, eyes are eyes. But like, assumingly, he you know, assuming he's going to go. You know what? I like her perky little nose, and he's going to get like a lady nose and stuff. Which again, yeah, maybe he's going for an, a sort of an androgynous look or whatever yeah. it may be. But I was like, oh, that's kind of curious. I I would assume that he would go for just people of his own gender but well do you want to quickly talk about i mean obviously this is a real actor who's his real face actually he's on uh dirk gently and i actually think he's one of the best characters on dirk gently this actor but not exactly traditionally beautiful no and he's he's not ugly i mean again no one in this show is ugly but uh yeah he's he what would you describe him as striking he's a bit striking He, he 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 tends to play characters who are a little bit like down and dirty or like grungy 
so he's he's got a very angular face and usually scruffy. It's just if you're gonna do an episode where like the character wants to be like you would just imagine he'd be more of a traditional leading man type of like like a Clooney or something like yeah I thought the same thing anyway I just I I was thinking about it after and I'm like it was kind of a weird choice in that like it's not like you looked at that man and were immediately like wow great choice on this face but you you know who would have who would have noticed it was Maldonado they track him down via his DMV kind of I don't know whatever. Uh, employee registry something like that right yeah it, it it's one of those things where they're like don't worry about it he's in the dmv we found even though he hasn't worked there in like a year they're like eh, we know where he is yeah he's like on disability or something from this disfiguring accident he had and when they raid his house they find basically chat logs there's a woman he's been chatting with for several months like probably predating these murders mm-hmm. in these chats he's been using his real name but he's been using his dream face and he seems to be trying to arrange a meeting now that he's his face is nearly there. He's hoping, I guess, to have finally meet the love of his life now that he has the face he wants. And uh, and I like that it's almost like the writers knew they were running out of time in this episode because they were like, how are we going to find this woman? And uh, John just looks up at the window and he's like, oh, that's her right there. <laughs> yeah, she's in the building next door and uh, John clocks her immediately. <laughs> yeah, it was, and he's just he's just like, does she have brown hair? And they're like, yeah. He's like, I think I know who she is. And they're like, yeah, all right, let's just go with it. And that it is her. <laughs> it's great because we cut away to her apartment and uh, she's getting some groceries delivered. And uh, the grocery man, she taps for the groceries and leaves them. And I watched the, the grocery man turns around and walks to the door and just leaves it wide open. Oh, does he? It was a little awkwardly staged. I'm like, oh, you, you didn't close that door. She's not even there anymore. But it's because like the next moment... Eric, the beauty killer, is in her in her apartment, kind of surprising her uh, by by arriving and being like, "Hello, it's it's me. Uh, I came early to finally meet you." Was that not the creepiest way of doing that, though? Just showing up in her apartment. Cer- it certainly was handled in a very creepy way. But uh, you know, he's still got these bandages on his cheeks because he hasn't finished like fixing his cheeks, and he's very embarrassed to meet her while he's still not perfect. But uh, what's the big twist, Jordan? Well, what we find out, this is essentially a, t- a Twilight Zone episode because uh, she's blind. So he comes to, he comes to meet her and he, she's like, I've got something to tell you. I'm blind. And he's like, oh, no, I've been doing plastic surgery all this time. Uh, well, and murdering people. <laughs> and murdering people. That's true. I forgot about the murders. It's it's a real uh, gift of the magi. Yeah. Yeah. I do like, though, there's a version of this that's on like CSI where he's just like chopping people's faces off and putting them on his face. Oh, really? No, no, I, that would be an episode of CSI where he's just like... Oh, right, I, fair enough. He's got, like, loose skin on his face, and he shows up, and she doesn't react. She's like, oh, I'm blind. He's like, oh, good, because I've got gross flesh on my right. face. But anyways, I actually thought this scene worked out pretty well. I, I did get... I thought the actor did a good job of this sort of... The weight of the realization of all the things he's sacrificed in his life and all the people he's murdered and damaged for this, essentially for nothing. Right, right. Because, because Luke, as you know... If you're dating a, dating a blind person, you could be as ugly as possible. <laughs> as possible? As possible. Like, you should make yourself uglier. You should work at it. Yeah, work at it. Like, make yourself as bad as you can. It is, I mean, it's okay. It's a very silly twist to the end where he shows up and is like, I killed all these people so I'd look beautiful. Well, I'm blind. I don't know. <laughs> it just reminded me of, like, a real, like, classic Twilight Zone episode. So for that reason, I, I, I enjoyed it. Did he, did he never look her up in the DMV database? <laughs> I guess not. Yeah, I guess it's true. All he had to do was look her up and it would have seen. He's like, oh, she, she's blind. It's just, oh, you know what? Maybe she wasn't in there because she's not going to have a driver's license. No, good point. Figure that out. Figure that one out. Anyway, at this point, the cops rush into her apartment, try to arrest the beauty killer. He, uh, he, he laments never having found true love and then throws himself off the roof of the building. <laughs> yeah, that was a quick end. Huh? He just kills himself. Yeah, it, it wraps itself up right quick. Yeah, so, and then it's like, so that's done. But then in, I guess, Almost Human has to do it. What's the next scene? Their little emotional scene that no one cares about. Yeah, uh, more in the continuing saga of the love story between Kenix and Stahl. Yeah, so uh, uh, John's basically, like, realized somehow this episode, I don't, maybe you caught it more than I did. Somehow this guy's, uh, this murderer's pining for this blonde woman has really shown John what's important in life. And so he's decided, like, you know what? I'm going to go ask her out finally. Yeah. I like he asks her out to get a drink at Leo's, his favorite bar. Well, he wants to still be comfortable. And she says, oh, I love that bar. I'm there all the time, too. Yeah. like I, I know they said that. And I was like, so 
wouldn't you guys see each other all the time then? Never bumped into each other. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? You know what the twist is going to be. Stall's blind. <laughs> well, the real twist is unfortunately for Kenix. Uh, she's go already going on a date with that uh, handsome Chrome from the nightclub. Yeah, but. Don't worry, they leave a little something for the audience because he's just like, uh, what, you, me, uh, and then she goes off with the guy and John sort of sits there, you know, like, uh, I blew it, I'm such a loser, and then what he doesn't see is in the background while she's leaving, she turns around and looks at him one more time. It's true. Leaving, leaving the audience to realize she really does love him. I'm like, so why don't she just go on a date with him then? I like that after that we cut to a montage of people in love walking down the street and then a shot of... Kenix just brooding <laughs> on a bench by himself. It was very weird. And then show over. I'm like, oh, what? <laughs> I know. I know. Yeah. This uh, this episode was kind of cheesy and stupid, but I liked it anyway. All right. Well, you, you want to write these things? Yeah, let's do it. All right. What do you what do you think of Disrupt? I know you hated it. So I'm curious to see what you say. I, I'm going to give it a three to ten. I just I just didn't think anything worked in this episode and it was boring. I didn't care. And they wouldn't stop making stupid sex jokes. So three to ten. Three out of ten. Eh? Wow. I actually am going to give this a seven. Oh, come on. I think it is holding true to what it's kind of okay at. I'm not going to say I loved all the stuff around um, Detective Paul, but it, I was able to shut it out. So it was fun. <laughs> I think the hacking stuff was okay. I, I enjoyed it. it. Was I thought it was a fun crime of the week that kind of worked for me. I think I'm also done with hacking. I don't think I want to see any more hacking on TV. All right. All right. Well, you just picked saying. a bad podcast to be on. That's true. All right. What about Beholder? Uh, I'm going to give this one a 7 out of 10. And I think I think one point for Maldonado going, I see one pattern. They're all very attractive. That's so dumb. I'm giving it a point on its own. So that's 7 out of 10. Fair enough. I mean, that is very silly. The big twist that she was blind all along is very silly. But I still think this is a 7. Like, this is this is the show at, like, firing on as many cylinders as it's capable of firing on i agree well jordan i can't believe there's only one episode left i know episode 13 we'll have to see how it all wraps up what's on the other side of that wall where all these memories went into dorian what happened to kenix's girlfriend <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah we don't know what happened to john lara cat and more importantly the big mystery that they set up at the beginning of the show is what happened to john's uh, girlfriend is she's just like ah, don't worry about that no, don't worry, we forgot about her too, so uh, we'll move on. No, I guess we'll find out all these mysteries and more in the next episode. It'll just it'll just be someone sitting in a chair with a notepad just explaining, like, oh yeah, the girlfriend, uh, she's a robot. Uh, John Larroquette, uh, he's has a family over the wall. It'll just be someone reading out all the answers. <laughs> I I wouldn't I wouldn't object. And th and then at the very end, uh, Stahl and Kenix will just like look at each other. <laughs> Your favorite part. Yeah, my favorite part. And that, that'll be the series. All right. In the meantime, if you want to get a hold of us to talk about Almost Human, you can email us at continuumdrag at gmail.com. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at continuumdrag, where we're always uh, posting stuff from these TV shows. And you can point out things uh, uh, like our friend did there about uh, how we didn't realize that John and Dorian is Jorian. Oh, yeah. Correct us when we missed some of that stuff. That was great. I can't believe we didn't mi we missed that. That's crazy. It's a little embarrassing. It. I mean... We have so much to think about. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, it's true. These are so action-packed. <laughs> All right, listener. Well, uh, thanks for joining us. And Jordan, until next time, I'll see you later. Yeah, see you then. Continuum Drag is recorded at Astrolab Studios in Toronto, Ontario. Theme music by James Ruxiedler. Produced by Jordan Delick and Luke Black. Special thanks to Adam Wheatner, Jeff Hanley, and Dwayne Wright.